So we are finishing up a series on uh, traveling light, traveling light. And um, what, what we've been doing in this series, uh, just uh, sort of equating our summertime travels uh, with the journey of Christianity, right? Uh, we pack up our vehicles and we go on vacations. We make plans. We, we, we make reservations. We, we choose our destination and, and then we work through that. It, spiritually, we are on a journey as well. We are on a journey from who we were to who God wants us to be. And from where we are now to our final destination, which is at home with God in His presence. It takes transformation. It takes effort. It takes, it, it, it is a journey for us. It's not, Christianity is not a static thing where we just sit back and, and wait. Christianity is an active participation in our own salvation, working out, uh, practicing love, practicing joy, practicing grace, uh, practicing forgiveness in order to, to move us from who we are now to who God has for us in the future. Uh, this morning, I've entitled my, um, my sermon, uh, Don't Let the Challenges Ruin the Journey. And in doing that, I was thinking of, of uh, you know, sharing with you some times when vacations have gone awry. And as I started thinking about that, I came to the realization, I can't think of a vacation where something didn't go wrong. Right? I mean, it, it always does. If, if you're going to pack up the family uh, and, and, and put them in a vehicle or get them on a plane or get them on a ship or whatever you do, if you're going to sleep in a tent or sleep in a hotel, uh, that time together, that compressed time together, it, it puts a strain on the relationship, right? There, if, if you want to have fun on your vacation, uh, you have to practice grace and mercy and forgiveness and nimbleness of plans, right? If, if you need a perfect family and a perfect event in order to have the perfect vacation, don't get married and don't have children. Because soon as the travel group moves from one to two plus, there's going to be conflict, right? And sometimes the conflict is the challenge, but other times there's outside sources that create the conflict. Sometimes it's the plans that go awry. Before I was a pastor, I was a youth director, and in my in those years of youth director and some as pastors, I have taken 19 youth groups on ski trips to Colorado. Most of those from the valley, which is a 30-hour each way ride in a bus. We used to always have the rule, don't use the toilet unless you have to, and then we're going to make fun of you the whole way because that smell just goes everywhere. I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> I was reliving the, the, the horror of it all. And in, in those trips, in those trips, you know, as you're putting together your plans and you're, you're making sure you got all the details and you got the families and kids and everything else and, the, and the, the sponsors that are there to help, but really all they do is tell you everything you're doing wrong. And as you're on the trip and everything, the worst nightmare is that you're going to show up and they're going to say, oh, we don't have your reservation. 
And that didn't quite happen, but on one of the trips to Winter Park, we had a group about 60, and uh, when we got there, they only had rooms for 40. Luckily, my wife and a couple other of my friends were sponsors that were a little more flexible, and so we were able to, to reorganize, and we found some condos. They were horrible condos. They had shag carpet, avocado refrigerator, and dust from the 50s on them all over the place. But but we made it through the trip because when your plans go down, you can't let that ruin the trip. And it ended up being fine anyway. Sometimes it's the, there's a person that gets in the way of your enjoyment. When the kids were little, we, we had gone to Disneyland and then we were going to take a little three-day cruise and the, the company that we were doing that from uh, required that you had a sales presentation as a part of that. Anybody had to do that on a trip, right? And so as we're in the office and talking to him, we told him, well, we got a, we got a cruise we got to be on and stuff. And he was, oh, we'll take care of you. And that's a company that did it. So I figured they'll get us there and everything. I kept talking and talking and talking and talking and we missed the boat. Well, they called ahead. We, we, we got on, but the boat had already pulled out. They called the captain. He backed up the ship. If you've ever done a cruise, if people stand up top and are yeah, bye, woo, partying and everything, it stops back up and everybody's looking down saying, who's the idiot family who couldn't get here on time? And we had to do the walk of shame onto the ship. Sometimes people to get in the way. Sometimes it's weather. Or, or forces outside, you know, if you're going to go to Disneyland and a hurricane come. If you're going to travel to Colorado in the winter and the west, uh, the, the north Texas plains, a blizzard comes. It puts your life in peril, right? It, whenever we travel, there's always going to be some, some challenges. And, and in order to be able to enjoy that, right? In order to get to the place, in order to create those, minis, those, those memories, you just have to be willing to put up with the idea that something's going to go wrong, but it's not going to ruin the trip, right? You, you just have to be able to do that. Well, where we're going today is we're on a journey. Individually, we're on a journey from who we were to who God wants us to be. But corporately, we're on a journey as well. All of us who have called on the name of the Lord, all of us who uh, have faith in Jesus Christ, we are all together on that journey. And what the Bible calls that is church. Church is not this building. Church is not an institution biblically. Church is a people called by the name of Christ that come together to share the witness and ministry of Christ to a broken world, to share the good news with them. And as, as we do church together and we make our plans and there's people And sometimes there's storms like a pandemic or a denominational disagreement or the guy sitting next to you right now or that 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 horsey person that you have to put up with. This may come as a shock to you, some of you that are new to church. There's some pretty bad people here. You're sitting next to a sinner. Look them in the eyes. Don't turn your back on them. 
<laughs> right? Because although we have been called by the name of Jesus, we still carry the scars of our humanity on us. The number one growing Christian category in our nation right now are those who are de-church. Fastest growing Christian category is those who are de-churched. They have done church and now they're done with church. And when you dig into the data on that, can you guess what it is that makes most people leave a church? It's not all the stuff we think. It's not because they stopped serving donuts. It's not because they don't have good enough coffee. It's because somebody hurt them in the church. Some human being, they rubbed up against somebody. Somebody said something or didn't say something. Somebody did something or didn't do something. They got hurt. They got left out. They felt ignored. Whatever it might be, but they got hurt by the church and checked out on it. Because this journey thing we do requires grace Forgiveness, love, and patience. Just as, just as, as a family, we, you have to be willing to put up with the stink from the back seat to get to your destination. We have to be able to put up with the imperfection of the church in order to arrive at our destination and bring other journeyers along with us. So this morning, we're going to use a letter from Paul it's his second letter to the Corinthians uh, as, uh, um, as a way to, to look into this. We're going to be in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians. Uh, the Corinthian church, Paul had a couple letters to them, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Corinthians church, uh, not your model church. There was a lot of things going on in there. In 1 Corinthians, Paul had called them out on some stuff, said some things uh, that they didn't like. They got their feelings hurt. They weren't, there, there was a group that weren't big Paul fans. Uh, they, they, he had said something, done something, his approach, his mannerisms, there was something he, the people just didn't like. I can really relate to that, that side of Paul, right? And, and, and so Paul is, is writing and, and he's, uh, he's talking about this subject about how, how, how do we deal with imperfect people and things we don't like in the body of Christ? This, this thing that God is using to save the world. How, how do we navigate that when there's conflict? So let's, let's look. Second Corinthians chapter four. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. This new way. Since God in His mercy has given us this new way, you go back to chapter 3, the new way, Paul says, is that the old covenant was based on obedience to the law. Right? It was about our action. The law was never meant to be salvific. The law was never meant to save us. The law was a gift of God to keep His people in touch. Right? To give us boundaries so that we wouldn't wander too far in our sin from Him. But the law was never going to save anyone. God ultimately has to save us. And so the old way was obedience to law. The new way, the new covenant, what we, what we profess as Christians is that 
Christ accomplished everything in the law. He did all of that for us. Now, our religion, our belief, isn't about what we do. It's we believe in the one who's done it for us. It's faith in Christ. And our faith in His action results in our righteousness and our adoption as children of God. This new thing that God has done. Since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God and and all who are honest know this. As I said, some people didn't like Paul. They were complaining. You can sort of read between the lines some of the stuff they didn't like. Oh, he's he's being true to Matic. You're leading us in the wrong way. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're you're, you're missing it. I'm trying to help point you to the truth. Verse 3, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul's saying, this isn't a personal thing. This isn't, this isn't us trying to, to make ourselves famous. We're not trying to, to, to get our attention on us. We're trying to point you to God. The light of Jesus, the light that transforms the world, the light that we're, is our destination, we want that to shine on us, and then we're trying to shine it on you. This isn't about us. This is about God. Verse 7, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side but troubled. Uh, Every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed through suffering. Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them. 
and we will and they will last forever so don't look at the troubles we can see now rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever this is the word of god for us this morning Thanks be to God. So Paul says, you know, we're trying to do this ministry uh, and, and we're, we're trying to, to, to share this treasure that God has. But here's the irony of New Testament Christianity. This beautiful, majestic, wondrous, merciful, gracious act of God, this act by an all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God who is holy and perfect, who never does anything wrong who created out of love sent his son out of love and has redeemed us out of love this beautiful treasure that we call the good news or the gospel the irony is the message of that gets sent out by fragile clay jars he says that treasure unfortunately is encapsulated in us Think about this. The wonderful plan of God. The wonderful, magnificent plan of God to save the world, to deliver us from evil, is entrusted to a bunch of crackpots. Right? And the longer you've been around, the more dings you got in you. We, this, this thing that we do, the beauty of God sent by defective messengers. If you've been in church very long, I mean, you, you understand this. We're not perfect. There's not a perfect church. We serve a perfect God, but there's not a perfect church. In that, we have to learn how to, to navigate our relationships with one another. We have to know that not everyone is going to agree on everything. I mean, come on, even on a family vacation, you can't even agree with your spouse, let alone 1,500 other people. Why is it in church we think we all have to agree on everything? Why is, I mean, the day that we sing this song, there's a group that goes, yeah, and then we, and there's a group that's like, oh, I hate that song. Right? That's just who we are. But Paul says, no, this treasure is contained within clay pots, fragile clay pots. For the, the people who he was writing this letter to, they had a context for this because every one of them in their houses had clay pots. They weren't fancy. They weren't glazed. They weren't shiny and well done. They were everyday efficacious tools that were used for household chores. You drink the water from them. You cook with those. You clean with that water. And, and, and because they're utilitarian, you didn't decorate them. You didn't throw them out. It was just clay. And when they'd bump up against something or knock against something or, or get dropped or whatever, they'd crack. But you don't throw them out. You just throw some more clay on there so that you can continue to use them. And so every one of his readers would have had an image of this analogy that he's dri- driving that the perfect message of God is sent by imperfect vessel. If we are going to do this journey together, we can't, if, if we're going to arrive at our destination together, which isn't just me getting to heaven, 
It's us making heaven more crowded. If we're going to accomplish our mission, it's, it, we've got to learn how to not damage one another in the shuffle. We, 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 we have to learn uh, that, that sometimes the good things that church does can get masked by the damage church does. There, sometimes it, it, it's about, you know, you didn't do this or you should have done that or what. It, just remember when you're complaining about the church, the church isn't this institution. The church is you and me. We. It's the royal we. We don't always do a good job at it. But somehow the grace of God, the treasure of God still is contained and good things still can happen. I know I'm not the only one in the room with a story of church hurting you. And for many of you, you've heard this before. And, and I'm sorry, I only have one life story and so I have to retell it sometimes. But when I was in high school, the church I grew up in, the church I, I was active in, the youth group in, the church that I went to church camp with, the church that all our friends were a part of, the church that was our family activity, that was what we did on weekends. That's where who we hung out with. That was our life. That that church, the pastor of the church had had an affair. My dad and a couple of the others that were on the supervisory committee uh, said, uh, it's time for you to go. Uh, we We need a new pastor. And there was a division within the church that culminated on an Easter morning uh, when the uh, pastor who had won the right to stay uh, called out my dad's name along with the other people's uh, uh, name who had been against uh, him staying and said, this is Satan in our midst, you're invited to leave. And so we did the walk of shame out of the church. If you ever wonder why I dress the way I do and act the way I do, it's because when God got a hold of me, I said, I'm never going to be a pastor like that. I want to look like you and act like you and not fall into the trap of being over you. You wear a hot dress in the summer and then I will too. Actually, that's a lie. I'm not going to do that. And from that point, I le- that was my junior year in high school, and I ran from God. I was mad at God. What I didn't understand is I was mad at the people who said they represented God. But I, in my mind, I was mad at God. And it wasn't until years later, Lori, uh, my, my meeting Lori and her, her family and her getting me back to church was instrumental in this. But uh, finally someone got through to me that you are throwing away the treasure of a relationship with God because of some idiot in your life. I had missed the blessing of God because I was angry with the vehicle. But not all the vehicle acts like that. And since then, I now serve in that thing called church that I hated so desperately, right? Because grace and mercy of God is present. 
It's why we invoke the power of the Holy Spirit. It's why we lift our prayers together. It's why we join our voices together because this is more than just the culminated personalities in this room. We are in the presence of God who's doing something in and through us. And yes, we're going to make mistakes. And yes, there's going to be times where you feel ignored or you think we didn't do the right thing. But there's not a perfect church, but we do have a perfect God. Don't let people get in the way of your relationship with God. Now, it's not only navigating that that we have to do, but the world just throws some stuff at us. And we're under pressure all the time. Paul talks about it. We have gone through some stuff. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Though through suffering, our, uh, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. In other words, we... Life is hard and and what we're trying to do to share the good news is hard and it seems unfair. And and again, I can relate to this over the last couple of years with pandemic and and, uh, I don't, if you're you're new to the Methodist church, we'll talk about this at another time or whatever, but there's been this controversy. You, You see it in the paper every once in a while and you'll probably show up because everybody's having their annual conferences right now. But there's been this controversy in the Methodist church for, for years and years. It's come to a head and it's argued and everything. And we just got back from our annual conference. So we, we do these annual meetings. And last week I asked you to pray for us as we headed down there because I didn't want it to devolve into cracked jars knocking against one another. I, I'm happy to report everyone was uh, well behaved and, and we, we celebrated some ministry by, by God. But the church is under pressure. Our world is under pressure. The pandemic, the, the economic crisis, the wars. It, it just... And there's there's just so much, and 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 it, it can make you just sort of want to retreat, and 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 there's you know this talk of division in the church, and and this side and that side, and everything in the middle, and the, I, I like you if you're this, and I don't like you if you're that, and, and just ugh. But Paul says we don't let that get to us, because we have a greater mission. We preach Jesus. Because that lasts forever. In this in this conference, it always ends with ordination service, and and uh, uh, our, our ordination services are always well done, and and uh, and it's always just a reminder of of the calling that that God placed on my life, and for all of our lives to to share His good news. And you know, at, throughout this week, we went down to the valley. We were in McAllen, uh, down in the valley, and Lori and I spent about 18 years of our life in the valley. So it, it felt like sort of a homecoming. We got to visit some old friends and stuff like that. But it, it, as we were going through conference, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of this denominational hassle and everything, we got to see the way God's still at work in our midst. That our denomination is a mess, and yet God is still doing His thing over and over again. And I walked out of there on Friday night with a renewed 
idea that I don't know what's going to happen with the big church and all that kind of stuff. And and frankly, a lot of us as leaders have been sort of paralyzed that for, for five years or longer. Well, what happens if, and if that happens, who are, and should we? Because if we do, we never know what's going to happen. And so we've sort of been paralyzed in that. And I came out with a renewed sense that, you know what, I don't, I've got to censor myself. The denomination is going to do what the denomination is going to do, but we're going to serve Jesus regardless. And you know, folks, we are. I wish I could parade on stage some of the folks from Light on the Hill so they could tell you a story how by your generosity and our volunteerism and, and the organization of, of ministry people, we, we give food to people that wouldn't otherwise have it. Just this last week, a single mother, new to town, lost her job, had zero groceries in the, was able to reach out and get some food delivered so that she could feed the three kids she had in the home. In between our food bank operation. The folks that have medical needs that, that are killing them, but they don't have access to insurance and doctors and, and a Wesley nurse and some volunteers and some loving folks in our church that will navigate that alongside and, and the lives that have been changed and saved because of that effort. The visits that happen in nursing homes and to some of our shut-ins, the phone calls, the cards, the children's ministry. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're going to have kids in this space learning about Jonah and the whale. Some of you are going to be chasing them. Some of you are too old for that, so I'm praying that you don't have a heart attack. I'll be here, but you go down, I'm not doing CPR. I did. Right? Our youth, our children. The way we're making a difference. Paul says, I'm like the son... There's a good word. I've got to share it. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we don't know the future. Yes, we have to deal with people we disagree with. Yes, there's, it's, it's hard to come together and do life together. Yes, it, there's an uncertain future. Yes, there's a division of the church that I disagree with. Yes, da, 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 da. you can go on and on and on. But regardless of all of that, the treasure of God remains. It's alive and active. I can't think of the the name of this kind of art. Somebody might be able to help me, but it's a Japanese art form for broken pottery. And when they have a pot that breaks, instead of throwing it away, they put it back together. But instead of trying to hide the cracks, they highlight the cracks. And they put gold in the in the cracks and crevices. So what was a beautiful piece of pottery becomes a new work of art. That the cracks become the highlight of, of, the, of the pot. And I just think that's what the power of the Spirit does in us. That through our perseverance, through our effort, through our never giving up, though the world might punch us in the face, though people might keep hitting the de-church button, though our denomination keeps swirling around in, con- in controversy, 
Though our, though our country continues to head in weird directions, you, all that kind of stuff, but we are never going to give up because God can take our mess and make it beautiful. His grace and His love becomes the gold in the crack. Missions that are done by your support. I don't know if you remember Gina Minori that were here uh, back in November, I think it was, that uh, shared uh, he's a missionary in Japan and is training pastors. And he is in a place where actual persecution is taking place. And he goes around from village to village into these countries and into these remote places to train up people who are called to be pastors to, to create faith communities. And he, uh, he shared in a video recently uh, uh, just a quick story uh, of, of a young man who has been leading a faith community, never had any training or anything, and actually wasn't, hasn't been a Christian for very long. But he was in one class and he told his story uh, that, you know, in that country, your family will disown you and you can lose your job and you can be put in prison or even killed if you're identified as following Jesus, right? It's, it, it's dangerous to be a Christian there. And he wasn't a Christian, but he had friends that were Christian. And so he was associated with them. And at one point, he got jumped by a gang because of his faith that didn't exist because he wasn't a follower and they were beating him to death because of that. And as he laid on the ground taking blows to his face and kicks to the stomach, he prayed to God and said, I don't even know who you are, but I'm being persecuted for you. So if you will save me, I will give my life to you. The beating stopped and he's been doing everything he can to spread the light of the gospel ever since. His cracks got filled in with gold. Life is hard. Church is hard. But God is good. Let's not, let's not give ourselves the opportunity to say, well, let's wait and see what happens. No, the world's dying. Need doesn't go away. Brokenness doesn't go away. We still need to be the church in the world. I hope you're with me in that. That We're going to do whatever we can to shine the light of Jesus into the darkness of the world around us. Amen? Amen. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just so confusing to us of why why this would be the way you would choose to change the world why why you would be willing to allow us to mess it up for you but actually the more you think about it 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 just speaks of how great your love is you don't love us because we do the right thing. You don't love us because we don't make mistakes. You love us because you love us. And as we prepare to travel to that destination, to be with you forever, God, would you allow this to be our training ground where we learn how to do life together, that we learn grace, that we learn mercy, that we learn patience. 
God, let us never tire, no matter how hard it gets. May we never, ever, ever give up. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.